electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. David Faber has the morning off. First day of April and Q2 as markets process news on infrastructure, tax policy, some mixed news on vaccines. Uh, jobless claims run a bit hot ahead of Jobs Friday tomorrow when stocks are closed. Our roadmap begins with the new month. Stocks are set for a higher open. Plus, Pfizer says its vaccine lasts at least six months and protects against variants. And AMC CEO Adam Aaron joins us exclusively this hour to talk about movie theaters and the reopening. Uh, Jim, so I guess we'll start with what the president said yesterday about infrastructure. I know you've been writing already this morning about uh, semis and our spending and Russia's spending and China's and so forth? Well, look, I really think that when you take a look at what the president said was one of the biggest challenges, climate change, and then basically blunting China. And when I spoke to uh, Secretary of Commerce, Gina Raimondo, she said the same thing. We need to blunt China. We need to get more competitive. Uh, hence why they're putting some money toward uh, semiconductors. But uh, this would be just a it's 50 billion, very minor part versus so much that's dedicated not to highways, but to EV, uh, to electric vehicles. And a lot of that cause it is kind of shocking. Two percent of new cars are EV, one percent of all vehicles. We are really behind a lot of countries. And I think that this could I, I was saying to the secretary, don't we have enough companies that are doing SPACs in the EV? But it looks like we don't. We're not doing that well. And so a lot of the companies that are in that chart, uh, including QuantumScape, which just met a it just a really met a fantastic milestone with Volkswagen, uh, are very interesting. Romeo Power missed quarter really badly. So I'm not going to count on them. Nicole, uh, Nicola missed quarter very badly. Lordstown. Ooh, God, that's actually all. Three out of five missed the quarter badly. Yeah. But you know what? Maybe, yep, uh, yep. wow, that was stunning. Uh, but I do think that, uh, that EV is really important because we are very far behind other countries. Uh, there's some headlines this morning about the White House asking the EPA to look into uh, credit policy to see yes. what kinds of credits might be generated by some of this. And this is what the Commerce Secretary told Jim last night on Mad Money. This is about outcompeting China. We need to invest in America, invest in American manufacturing capacity, invest in American workers and skill, invest, get back into the business of investing in basic research where we have fallen behind. If we act now, we can't dilly-dally, let's take action, we will compete with China. Jim, you mentioned um, capacity spending on semis already uh, Taiwan semis out today saying they're going to spend 100 billion over three years. We know what Intel's spending about 20. Samsung's another 100 billion. Uh, uh, and then yeah, Micron last night uh, talking about a relatively bullish forecast and we'll get to some of the target increases. Yeah. But Taiwan semis been running 100 percent for about 12 months. They have to. I, I, my problem was I felt very, uh, let's say, circumspect about being able to find 
more uh, capacity. I know that they're interested in a, uh, a Japanese company that, that uh, makes NAND, makes Flash. The first time we heard that Flash could be in short supply, uh, we know DRAMs are in short supply, hence one of the reasons Bitcoin's up. You know, it all comes back to, uh, to Lamb Research. And it comes back to uh, KLA Tencore. It comes back to applied materials. We don't have enough companies. Those are all American companies. We own the IP. We, it, uh, Secretary Mondo does not want the IP go, to go to China. But I would point out that the president starts out with the interstate highway. And uh, President Eisenhower got the interstate highway through because we needed missiles to be able to go from one place to another because of the Russians. And I find it's almost like you could substitute what President Eisenhower said and put uh, about Russia and put in China. I mean, this is a, there are a lot of people who felt that President Trump, uh, Peter Navarro, were tough on China. This is much tougher. This is really basically saying, hmm. look, we got to be better than China. And that's what we're going to be. The president, uh, President Trump wanted to have more uh, spending here. That's not what they're talking about. I mean, this is Cold War chatter. I want to say chatter, not uh, point blank, but right at the same time, you had the CEO of Boeing go to the Chamber of Commerce and say, we need these orders from China. So, I mean, there is business doesn't like this. But, boy, the President Biden is very, very tough on China. I, I thought that, that CEO uh, Calhoun was really kind of saying, geez, we're going down the wrong path here. Yeah, Cal Yoon was, was pretty outspoken yesterday at the uh, Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. But speaking of the Chamber of Commerce, Jim, that's just one organization that is seems to be dead set against any kind of hike in the corporate tax rate. We heard from them this morning. We heard from Business Roundtable last night, FedEx, a number of senators who say this is really just a, a means of raising corporate taxes and putting forward progressive ideas in what McConnell calls a Trojan horse of infrastructure. Here's what the president said about the corporate tax rate and the degree to which he's open to new ideas. We're going to raise the corporate tax. It was 35 percent, which is too high. We all agreed five years ago it should go down to 28 percent, but they reduced it to 21 percent. We're going to raise it back to up to 28 percent. No one should be able to complain about that. It's still lower than what that rate was between World War II and 2017. Just doing that one thing will generate $1 trillion in additional revenue over 15 years. Uh, Jim, uh, J.P. Morgan's morning macro note uh, this morning takes a crack at this. They say tax increases appear to be manageable. But it was interesting to hear the president talk about not just tax rates for companies, but specifically Amazon, too. And say that's one firm that needs to be prepared to pay more. Well, how about the fact that he said, I'm a union man and they're voting for union. Uh, we're still tabulated. We're Amazon still tabulated. tabulated. I was surprised at the Republican reaction. I mean, where was the uh, Reagan get the government off the backs of his people? Uh, the people where where was the outcry about the need for the government to be smaller? It's almost as if they seeded this. I thought that they were much more mellow. Really surprised. Now, it is true that uh, President Trump busted the budget, so maybe they feel like it's inconsistent. But I was uh, they were really they didn't go full force. The Republicans, I mean, the Trojan horse. I expected more from McConnell. I expected him to say, look, we can't reverse what Reagan started uh, because this is a wholesale departure from what's happened for years and years in this country. This is the government getting very big, trying to become maybe 1% of the GDP. And I just think that the Republicans, they were very, uh, uh, let's say, relaxed in their response. Maybe they feel like they have the votes to stop it. I don't know. 
that does not seem to be the calculus from what I've read. I mean, I'll, Goldman yesterday and a few others say, look, this is probably going to happen through reconciliation. Yeah. Uh, it's probably going to take longer as a result. You might go into the late summer, early fall. Um, and it's going to depend on maintaining the support, Jim, of a number of centrist Democrats who will be highly leveraged to, to sway the policy in the end. Well, look, I, I do think that there were enough goodies in there that the Democrats can go for it. I know that uh, Speaker Pelosi, I think, is going to have no problem, obviously, in the House. But you know, we, if we had Senator Manchin on right now from West Virginia, I think he would say we, we had a huge, a huge employment. Just before the pandemic, we don't necessarily need this. Let's see what happens when everyone gets the vaccine. Because I would say that, remember, pre-pandemic, we were at, uh, at levels that we hadn't seen since Lyndon Johnson in terms of, of, of jobs. I wonder, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of things in here that I think are incredibly interesting, but you know, the job loss is concentrated in small business uh, and con- concentrated in restaurants, retail. Uh, and that could be easily uh, remedied once we get the vaccine. So I think that there will be a lot of people saying, can we please wait and see? Uh, uh, let's wait and see what the unemployment is. I mean, if unemployment rate drops to three, four, I don't know if you, 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 these are good priorities, but I don't know if there are enough people to actually take the jobs. Right. And that's going to be an issue, Jim. Uh, and, and claims were a little bit surprising this morning. Uh, but we're going to see uh, what the jobs number brings us tomorrow. A lot right. of estimates in the 650. Uh, I think Morgan Stanley went to 700K uh, yesterday. You mentioned the vaccine, Jim. There's so much news regarding that. We mentioned Pfizer. They say the vaccine's highly effective, 91% for six months. Uh, not a lot of um, safety concerns. It's better than the 90-day estimate that we've been going with. And they say it's protective against the, uh, Af- the variant out of South Africa. Then there's J&J, Jim, uh, this mix-up at the factory in Baltimore. Uh, AP's got a piece this morning talking about Emergent having sustained multiple um, citations in production, Jim. Uh, it's a bit of a setback. Ooh, yeah. Okay, so uh, J&J does have the ability to produce four to, uh, four to five million uh, vaccines, uh, the vials that are needed, I should say, from uh, the Netherlands. Uh, but there is uh, 24 million in April. Uh, was J&J's goal. And so you can see how important Emergent Bio was. Uh, I know uh, J&J is, is uh, positive about the idea that this could be resolved. I also know that the FDA historically has been just mean and tough on this. And I say mean because sometimes they really just feel if there's multiple problems, well, we're not going to let them get away with it. Remember, this is Emergent. You've got J&J people going into the Emergent factory, and you have to hope that maybe the FDA says, okay, now that it's run by J&J, it'll be better. They do have a lot of vac- vaccines ready if the FDA approves. But you know, even just when you look at the, the history of, of even J&J, like there's a plant that, that was a lot of my friends worked at. I was growing up in Fort Washington, PA. Uh, that the FDA, uh, they slapped McNeil's plant in Fort Washington with a scalding inspection, causing the company to shutter the factory until 2011, and it took forever to get it open. So I don't know. I would love to be as optimistic as J&J, but, Carl, this was a, a huge part of what I think this country hoped. One vaccine, boom, and we get it get faster. I, I think it's going to be a setback to the entire process of getting vaccinated. Hmm. It's not good. Uh, On the flip side, we yeah, we do have CVS this morning. Uh, They say they administered 10 million doses uh, in the month. They've got capacity for 25 million doses uh, per month. Jim, I know I'm going to a CVS tomorrow to get mine. I had to laugh because on the tape. 
on the tape right now, uh, Fauci says that um, on the morning shows, I'm not sure I would have said impending doom about the pandemic wow. on oh, CBS. And then, and then he says <sighs> that um, he says that the J&J issue, he says human errors do happen. But we'd been talking about Walensky's comment earlier in the week. Well, it is true. I mean, I'm glad that he said it, it is human error. I think that when the J&J people get in, they can make a strong case and say, look, it was emergent. You know us. We're real good. Uh, I'm so glad Fauci said that. I, I'm, I just got the book, the new Stephen King book, uh, later. Uh, and uh, I find that, that, that when I hear impending doom, I, I keep thinking about uh, the stand and that Lincoln Tunnel scene. And which always gave me nightmares, which is in trying to <laughs> futilely uh, hold back impending doom. And, and so I, it shocked me because I think that you want to do is say, look, it's your patriotic duty to get the shot. And sure, we want to encourage you uh, and we've got to make sure. But impending doom. Well, I mean, we've got to leave that to the novels. Holy cow. I mean, I, King is a great yeah. follow, by the way, on uh, Twitter. But I've read almost every single uh, Stephen King book. And when you, when you hear impending doom from a government official, well, let's just say uh, you can't you, you, you can't even hide in Maine. Yeah, Jim, it kind of reminds me of, of two bits of news we got yesterday from companies that have access to a lot of data and a lot of intelligence. The first one is Amazon, uh, which had a blog post saying that they are looking to return people to offices in the coming months. Um, a return to what they say is an office-centric culture huh. as our baseline. And then there was Google, uh, which, of course, we all remember was one of the first to send workers to remote working. Uh, they're going to bring some people back to the office starting in the next month. Uh, we're going to talk to Adam Aaron in a minute about movie theaters, but certainly right. the return-to-work dynamic is a pretty good tell. I mean, at, least, at least it has been. Uh, I think it's a great tell, and I think it's something we have to talk about constantly because it's probably the most important theme right now in our country is uh, when are you going back to work? Uh, are you going back to work? Meaning the central office. Nikesh Arora, who's the CEO, he's a brilliant guy. He's the CEO of Palo Alto. He continues to say it's going to be a hybrid office setup, that that's what happened. It's hybrid, meaning some days you got to come in and some days you don't. Uh, and he thinks that's irreversible. Uh, that would be incredible when you think about it. I remember uh, going in at Goldman Sachs, trying to get in at 4 a.m., trying to leave at 11 p.m. to impress people because I was ridiculous. And, and the idea was that you live at the office. Uh, now, the idea with, these, uh, with the millennials is I'll, I'll drop by. Now, they hate that when I say that, Carl. But I do think that the idea of younger people picking and choosing what day they, they go to work, at which days they stay at home. Now, maybe people say, listen, they, they have to go to work at 7 a.m. We can just fire up the machines. But those Zoom calls, I think there's people with their eyes closed. I think they're like, and you just have to spot. Yeah. <laughs> Intolerable. It's true. Too. I'll outwork any of those 20 year olds. Give me a break. Bring them in. That'll wake them up. Uh, Jim, we'll take a quick break here. Take another look here at Futures. Got a bunch of names to get to in terms of research, including Apple, Uber. Jim mentions Goldman, Carnival, Netflix, and some others. As we kick off the month of April, by the way, S&P has not had a losing April since 2012. We're back in a minute. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. 
For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Back in 1999... Uh, when I was made the CEO at Avon, a lot was made of the gender breakthrough. Uh, so women in the C-suite, women in the boardroom, women in the CEO job, there was a lot of focus on that, but less so on the fact that I was the first Asian woman. And it really did hit home. I think I was walking through the plant at Avon probably three months after I became the CEO. And uh, it was in China. And I was with the general manager and the head of operations, and it was a regular senior management factory tour. And I remember that young women were peering around the corner, looking out uh, as we were walking through. And it really did hit me that, you know, the eight previous CEOs of a woman's cosmetic company had been white men and that for them, it was someone that looked like them and that you could actually start at the bottom and make it all the way up to the top. Andrea Jung last night talking about race and opportunity in our ongoing uh, series of specials, uh, Race and Opportunity in America, Jim. Uh, wow, what a remarkable uh, set of interviews last night. Yes, the box CEO was just inspirational. Mr. Wham, who just said, look, I would go to companies and uh, the top people never looked like me. I mean, when you hear things like that, you say, geez, it, it, it's, it's 2021. How is that possible? Uh, and I think that Andrea Young, when she talks about these consumer product companies, you know, sure, Clorox has a woman at the helm, and that's terrific, Ms. Rendell. But I question who does, who buys most of these products? It's women. I, I really think that how can you not be thinking, you know what, it's time. And Ben O'Dora, who's at Clorox, I know he thought it was time. Uh, and I think that Ms. Rendell has a really good handle on what uh, people want. I remember when... Uh, when Mr. Taylor from Procter & Gamble talked about how he was going to add uh, women to the board, young women to the board. And I said, like, well, about time. I mean, how do these how does it happen, Carl, that these things are so late? They're just late. What, what went on? I think the CEOs themselves are asking that same question, Jim. This is what Che Wong Box said last night about being a leader uh, who happens to be a member of a specific race. Take a listen to this. Being at big companies before, when you kind of look up and, and kind of see people who no, no one in leadership positions looking like you, uh, you realize that, wait, you question yourself, are, are, am I playing a rigged game? Am I playing something that uh, there's going to be no winner uh, that looks like me? Um, and so really breaking out uh, and going straight to the top by starting uh, our own company and starting my own company has been one of the ways that I've, I've kind of shortcut to the top. Uh, it's hard work. But now being at the top, I think it does set that tone. Our thanks to those executives, Jim, for being so honest and candid. At least they're in a position now 
where they can start to ask these kinds of questions as opposed to not being in the C-suite at all. Yes, and they've got to bring all conversations should have Amy Chang in it. She's the woman that Dave Taylor said uh, has made a difference at Proctor. You know, Stanford's, you know, computer scientist, sold a company to uh, Chuck Robbins at Cisco. It's so brilliant. I sit there and I learn from her. I mean, I have lunch and I learn from her. And she's a good friend of my wife. And I just feel like, well, how come... Amy Chang's not running whatever company she wants. She'll, I'm sure she will. But I, the reason I think about it is I do think that there's discrimination, Carl. I don't think I think you ought to use the word uh, that there's discrimination. And it's to me, uh, it's institutional. It's not against individuals, just institutional. And anything like last night's program, and I'm so proud of it. And I, I told Melissa Lee, you know, whatever we could do to promote, uh, because it was just extraordinary. So I, I, I love what we did at the, as a network, Carl. This is what we got to do. Yep. Uh, yeah, we were proud of last night's programming, and uh, we look yep. forward to people getting a chance to watch uh, what aired last night, uh, maybe online. Take a break here uh, as we kick off uh, Q2. Don't go anywhere. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get a mad dash with Jim, who's watching a little MU. Yes, Carl, there are so many Titan CEOs in the semiconductor business. We talk about, I do not talk about Sanjay Marotra enough. A tour de force conference call last night. Micron is basically, I'm going to use the term allocation uh, on DRAMs. The demand is just extraordinary, as we keep hearing. Um, And by the way, uh, they flash, which had been kind of uh, middling, is now getting tight. Maybe that's why they might be interested in this uh, uh, Japanese company. Uh, Keoxia, if I pronounce it wrong, I apologize, uh, which has NAN and it's worth about $30 billion. But the conference call was just incredible. The, every single part of their lineup, everything they sell into, whether it be PCs or whether it be data centers, or anybody that needs a micro, microns is basically the building block of, of all devices. It's just overwhelming them with demand. And this is really the big American fab company now. I would have said at one point it was Intel. And I've got to hand it to these guys. They are going to have a hard time. Now, in the conference call, the questions are now beginning to be subtly about whether there's going to be so much capital equipment money being spent that will we, will we get back to the boom bust where there'll be a tipping point where just when Micron has the most demand, there's two. You think that it's going to go to the moon, uh, <laughs> that there'll be so many computer, so many chips hitting. I'm not worried about that yet, Carl. And I can't wait to speak to him tonight. Uh, wow. This is the, this is the golden moment for semiconductors. It's just the golden yeah. moment. So, Jim, I got it. I, I want to pin you down on price because today um, RBC goes to 120, right. a JPM 140, uh, Rosenblatt's 165. How much of this does the street already know? 
Uh, well, great question. I think that the uh, the issue here is that we didn't know that NAND, that Flash was as strong as it is. Uh, but I think that those price targets, this thing is a juggernaut when it gets going. But I would say when the stock was at 35, uh, Mr. Morocha came on Man Money and said, listen, this could be a juggernaut. It's going to get going. I mean, 92, well, I liked it when he made the 35 call. 92, I think that you're, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of upside. But I, I don't know if I want to go up 70%. I wouldn't make that call. Yeah. Then you got Ford. I mean, sort of related story yeah. is going to shut down um, production uh, on six lines for about two weeks. We heard from Packar yesterday, Jim, yeah. on some de- Q1 deliveries going to be impacted by about 3000. Um, I mean, the auto business seems to be uh, dealing with it. We heard GM say it's not going to impact their, their numbers for the year. Well, I do think that there's a possibility that some, and that was really great, Mary Barr really toward the force that she did that, but I will say that this is actually solvable. I think you're going to hear this, the, the auto part, I think will be solvable by, uh, by, by Q3. They'll, they'll get that done. It's just that there's just a never-ending demand. I wonder if when people start coming back to the office, when you have to no longer have to build home offices, there could be some let-up. A call right now, it's just extraordinary demand. Extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. There's the S&P 500 and a look at the opening bell on this first day of April at the big board celebrating an IPO. It's Real Estate Brokerage Compass. Uh, congratulations to them. And over at the NASDAQ, it's also an IPO. Frontier Airlines, Jim, as we're starting to see more entrants in the aviation space. Well, Philip Bo has been talking about the strength of, uh, of the numbers. I was, uh, I know that our guest is going to be on uh, soon, Adam Aaron. I know from a friend, mutual friend of ours, Jeff Sonnenfeld, they're taking a plane this weekend. I told Jeff, listen, every seat will be filled. They're going to Florida. Every seat. I mean, I, it is like you know, this is an extremely filled plane and you can't put your bags. Away. I mean, I, you're starting to hear that same language. And uh, three months ago, you did not hear that. I think that there are many uh, airlines that need more planes. And I think it's going to surprise you. I think that people are going to travel like mad. I, I don't even care about the business traveler. I know the business traveler flies up front. But I think that this is when you ask people what they're going to do uh, when they got their vaccine, they want to go somewhere. Obviously, they want to go to Disney World. The numbers were just OK for Disney World. Uh, but I do think that it's just another it's going to be an obsession to travel. Obsession. And I, by the way, I think, Carl, when when Europe opens up and it will open up, I think they'll come here. I think that there'll be tourism, even though the dollar is very strong. So I'm, I'm very bullish on tourism. By the mm. way, uh, remember Adam Aaron, who we're going to have one from AMC, he ran Starwood. Uh, he ran Vale. Uh, there's so much to talk mm-hmm, to him about. Mm-hmm. But boy, did he ever, ever understand the consumer of good times. And uh, he'll be a delight, as he always is. You are not kidding, Jim. Uh, so many things he can address, not ca- capital raising. And all the rest. By the way, Jim, really quick before we bring him in, uh, I did notice that United yesterday said that domestic leisure demand, in their words, has almost entirely recovered uh, from the COVID era. And then you had Calhoun. We mentioned his appearance at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, but he did say that he believes when vaccines reach about 50 to 70 percent distribution, that's in his view at Boeing anyway, where they think things can return to normal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, if I were an airline, I'd go now. When you get that Southwest air price, I mean, that's the price you want. And I think it is uh, it's kind of like that price in that uh, was that State Farm where, uh, you know, I want the Rogers price. That's what they're getting. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, 
<laughs> Love that ad. Well, let's bring them in. All right, we got the moment here, Carl. We've got a CNBC exclusive, AMC Entertainment's president and CEO, Adam Aaron, a great CEO. I'm not just saying that because at one point he's the CEO of the Sixers. He's done many, many good things. So let's cut right to it, Adam. You got, uh, what, $5 billion yeah, in good, debt. Good morning. Good morning oh, okay, I gotta, Yeah, I got to do the good morning thing. You got $5 billion in debt. Can you solve it? Can you solve it? That's a lot of debt. Uh, I would like to think so. Uh, you know, AMC has proven quite adept over the past year at raising capital. One of the reasons that we have survived this horrible pandemic so far is we raised $2.8 billion of cash and got another billion dollars of concessions from lenders and theater landlords. Uh, and that's put us in a position uh, to run our business uh, going forward with some degree of confidence. You know, five different times during the last year, we were close to running out of cash because our theaters were all closed and we had no revenues. Uh, but we raised money to survive and we're, we're back operating as normal companies operate. Uh, and let me just tell you, you talked about good morning. Let me tell you what good morning means in America these days. The combination of vaccinations and new movie releases. Godzilla vs. Khan opened last night. It's a movie about apes. In the world of meme stops, apes a good thing. Maybe it's an omen. Our attendance last night was about 10 times what it's been all the other Wednesdays so far in 2021. Jeez, this is, so we, we, can look, we can look ahead. But at the same time, you know, you got a stock. It's up 380%. You know, I don't know, Adam. I mean, this is a good opportunity to sell a couple hundred million shares, isn't it? Well, in, look, I want to be careful. Um, well, it's national uh, distribution. Dilu- this, is the way, this is the way you do it now. It's not the times. It's here. Yeah, well, dilution is something we care about. But I would also tell you that we are uh, formally asking for approval from our shareholders to authorize another 500 million shares uh, that the company could issue if it wishes. There are a lot of benefits to our shareholders of having more authorized shares uh, out in the market. Uh, we'll be sensitive to dilution issues. At the same time, though, there's an opportunity to bolster our cash reserves. There's an opportunity to buy back debt at a discount. There might be an opportunity to uh, defray some of our deferred theater rents, settling with stock instead of with cash. Maybe there's some merger and acquisition opportunity where we could buy other companies inexpensively using our stock as a currency. There are a lot of good reasons for shareholders to give us the authority uh, to have more shares. Isn't it time uh, to buy a, back? Then we buy back to six and three eighths of 11, 15, 24. They're trading at 36. I mean, that's a great piece of paper right now. If you're going to do a, if you're going to do 500 million shares. We are very well aware that we could buy back debt at a discount. And that in itself would be accretive and generate profitability for AMC and increase shareholder value. For our shareholders. All right. If you get that money, is it time to play hardball again? I mean, Black Widow, Cruella, I don't know. If I'm going to, if I can go to AMC or I can go to Disney Plus, uh, I, I don't know. Disney Plus is a lot of fun to watch at home, even though I love the popcorn. I love the, yeah, the, I love the social distancing. I mean, can you, if you get the capital, can't you say to these guys, you know what? Look, uh, we're not playing by your rules. We're open. And we want those with a, with a six week, no, with a two month exclusivity. Well, look, I think uh, one of the biggest benefits of AMC being the largest exhibitor in the world is that we have a seat at the table and we're in active discussions with movie studios all the time. 
Uh, we consider them our partners in this ecosystem of the release of movies. Uh, we've been discussing Windows policies for years. Uh, some of those discussions are very easy. Some of those discussions are heated, as you say. Uh, there was a lot of drama around uh, theatrical windows starting last April. That continued this January uh, uh, and continues apace. But as I said, uh, we've got a seat at the table because we're an important player. And so far, we've been able to reach agreement with studios on mutually agreeable terms, what we think are good terms for the studios, but also, very importantly, good terms for us and for AMC shareholders. Hmm. Adam, I don't want to belabor this point, but Jim's question is so key. You know, Black Widow, among some, was seen as a bit of a, a large tell about the window because they, they held their cards earlier in the year. Then they finally push it back two months. But as Jim says, you can get it at home. And it's, a lot's been written about the fact that, that Disney didn't really do uh, exhibitors any favors. Do you agree with that? Well, look, I'd rather not comment publicly about what Disney is doing or isn't doing or what their strategy is and what their strategy isn't. I will tell you that Disney and AMC, as two companies, have been very close partners for decades and decades. I expect to be very close partners with Disney for decades and decades to come. Uh, I'm not worried about the competition from the home. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong was available at home on some streaming services, and almost a quarter of a million people uh, were at our theaters last night just in the United States alone on a Wednesday. Uh, that's a good omen. People, you know, if this pandemic has taught us anything, people want to get out of their houses and their apartments. Uh, and going to a movie theater is something that people have done for more than a century. Uh, it's a cheap date. It's a cheap night out. And it's a very nice break from being cooped up in your in, in where you live 24-7. I couldn't agree more, Adam. And to me, it is the date. I mean, the dinner, I got a restaurant, but the date is to go to the movies. Now, you have almost a very, you talk about partners. You have a very interesting partner in the people who are on Reddit at Wall Street Bets. And I know that you earlier said that you find it so appealing about the Reddit phenomena is the affection and allegiance that Americans have across the country. Uh, And and you really point blank say that it's really terrific that millions and millions of people rally behind uh, saving AMC. So I don't know. I think they could rally behind 500 million shares. Well, look, Jim, you know, Save AMC was a, was a hashtag that was trending uh, on Twitter as uh, the, the single most uh, uh, tweeted hashtag uh, <laughs> one of those days in January. Look, I, uh, there are a lot of things going on with the so-called Reddit phenomenon, but I think one of them is there are a lot of people out there who have an affection for AMC, who did not want to see hedge funds short our stock and try to force us into bankruptcy. And they stood by our side and we, we appreciate that. And now as we go forward, we want to run this company right. These people are now our shareholders and we want to do what's best for our shareholders, increase long-term shareholder value. And as you said, one of the smartest ways we can do that right now is increase the available share count at AMC and then use those shares wisely, not in the next week, in the next month, or even the next year, but over the next five weeks and five months and five years, 10 weeks and 10 months and 10 years. You, Adam, you read my mind. Uh, last question. Uh, I felt the shorts were trying to just drive you out of business. 
I thought the shorts were taking the stock down, creating some level of fear and then making it so that the bonds rolled over, making it hard for you to be able to raise money. Uh, you, you hit upon what I think was actual truth about the shorts. Look, I do. There, there clearly were people who were campaigning to force us to run dry on cash. Once you get in this cycle of approaching uh, insolvency, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. And most companies get in that zone, wind up having to file. By contrast, because of the confidence in AMC and our future by retail investors, we sold over $800 million worth of stock uh, in December and, and January alone. Uh, and we raised a lot of money. We bolstered our cash reserves. And we, as I said in a press statement in, in mid-January, we took near-term imminent bankruptcy completely off the table. Now, with, with vaccinations moving at a very brisk pace, with new movie releases coming, with people coming back to theaters in quantity again, as was the case last night with Godzilla versus Kong, and will, we think, be the case with other new movies that are released in April and May and June and uh, July. Um, look, t- uh, we've we got a brighter future. All right, I just want to be sure it, it's uh, there's a little ticker that said that was five hundred million dollars. I, I thought I heard a five hundred million sh- shares. Uh, I, what, uh, my experience is that Jim Cramer is never wrong, and uh, you are correct. Uh, <laughs> okay. We've we have asked our shareholders for approval for five hundred million new shares to be authorized. That doesn't mean we'll use all no, those shares no. right away, but it does give the company optionality and flexibility. And optionality and flexibility when you're navigating these uncharted waters of the pandemic are very good things. Well, I want to congratulate you. I know it was five times. Fabulous article in the New York Times about you. You are a fighter. The only thing I'm, I'm, I'm bummed about, you gave me no Churchill. How about you gave me no Churchill, Adam? I did in the middle of the dire times when we were tight on cash on an earnings call, as you're alluding. I quoted the famous... Uh, we'll fight them on the beaches, Churchill speech, saying that AMC was in a wartime mentality. We were not going to let hedge funds or short sellers uh, take us out. And we were going to go throw everything that we had at saving AMC. And uh, we think that's exactly what we've done. Now, we're not totally out of the woods yet. Uh, We still need more vaccinations to come. We need more movies to be released. We do need to see a return to normalcy in the United States. Right. But as we look ahead, uh, we think the odds are much better that that will be the outcome. Well, I want to thank Adam Houdini, Aaron, who has piloted, and people should read this Times profile. A lot of people would have given up. You not only took on the shorts, but you just are going to be the winner and maybe even the last man standing. Have a great time in Florida with Jeff Sonnenfeld this weekend. Thank you, Jim. Thank okay. you, guys. <laughs> Back to you, Carl. Jim, don't go anywhere. I need you for the rest of the hour, uh, because as we've been talking uh, to Adam Aaron, got a new milestone on the S&P, uh, S&P 4000, uh, less than two years, Jim, since it wow. crossed 3000 for the first time as we kick off a new month. How much of this do you think is calendar effects? 
Uh, well, I do think April is historically very strong. Uh, a lot of money coming in from stimulus checks this week. And I think it's going into the stock market because the stock market is proving to be pretty much of a winner. Uh, great to see that even after the Viacom fiasco, the money came in. I was so fearful. Jay Clayton talked uh, very smart this morning about when he, the former SEC chairman, was saying, listen, people should have gotten in earlier and they want more education and they know that. It was a clarion call, good message. Uh, I'm glad that people didn't desert the stock market, Carl. There's a lot of money being made. Uh, yes, indeed, Jim. Uh, the question is um, whether or not it, it continues to revolve around a rotation or whether or not we can uh, ride the same kinds of trades that got us here in the last thousand points or whether it's a mix of the two. A little bit of a mix. I, I still would. The cyclical is going to have the best numbers when we see them. Uh, the, the SPACs have hurt uh, what I think is this kind of the great growth cohort. I noticed Kathy Wood getting a, getting a lot of money in. And if there's 500 million shares mm-hmm. of AMC and the stock's only down 50 cents, of course, he's not going to do it all at once, Carl. That's a Pretty, intelli- pretty, pretty telling sign that the market's got resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great interview and perfect timing to have Adam Aaron on. Speaking of data, uh, we're going to get, get some PMI numbers here. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Rick? Yes, this is the first of two PMIs. Uh, of course, this is the PMI for market. We'll have the ISM coming in a bit from uh, the uh, ISM people. <laughs> we have 59.1, which is like exactly what we expected. And if you take the 59.0, that was the mid-March read, that now becomes, of course, 59.1. It is the second highest post-COVID number. Beginning of the year, January, we had 59.2. And as I said, ISM will be coming up at top of the hour. Let's look at an intraday chart of 10s. You can clearly see that this morning, the slight reversal in jobless claims, instead of moving lower, they inched up just a smidge. But the market was very cognizant of that. And do keep in mind, if you look at a three-day chart of 10s, being a technician, we are now under the last two days' lows. And that is very key. Because if you open the chart up to early March, you can see that that 160 mark is going to be key. Listen, I think uh, that we have an interim top here. It might not last long, but I think we're going to test lower levels. Maybe one of the catalysts, of course, is, you know, sometimes appropriating money is good. Stock market seems to like it. But at the end of the day, we're creating an awful lot of debt, and there may be a bit of indigestion. And I think at least with respect to the Treasury complex, losing a little bit of that, they think the economy is going to be going gangbusters. There's no productivity in this infrastructure bill that's coming, no matter how much it's posted as such. Look at Japan's infrastructure bills. No productivity ended up there, and corporate taxes going up. You know, if the reason rates were going up is because of excitement about the U.S. economy, raising corporate taxes has to be the anti-excitement factor thrown into the equation. The dollar index also, remember, rates have been going up. Nobody really expected that. Dollar's been going up for sure. Not many investors expected that. So if you look at a one week of the dollar, you can see if we start to slip and close under 93 even, we're going to lose momentum there, very similar to the 10-year charts. Uh, If you look at a two-day of the euro versus the dollar, if they start to trade and close above that 117.60 level, yesterday's high, because much of the strength in the dollar has been weakness in the euro, and in my opinion, the infrastructure bill puts us at a more equal footing, taking away some of the U.S. economic advantage, at least in the near term. Jim and Carl, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll see in a bit uh, for ISM and construction spend. 
at the top of the hour. We'll take a break here as we get S&P 4K for the first time. And if you missed the headline a moment ago, AMC, we had Adam Aaron on a few moments ago. Uh, it's not an offer, but it is asking shareholders to approve an offer of 500 million shares. Uh, stock's down 5%. We're back in a moment. Let's get to a final stop trading for the week, Jim. Well, you got the hot one, Micron. Uh, and I think that uh, Sanjay's going to tell a pretty, well, great story. And then we have QuantumScape. They got that big deal from Volkswagen. And, and I just think that that is going to be so much fun because it's one of the few, one of the few EVs, when we listened to the president last night, that you really want to yeah, talk to uh, because they have the fastest battery. And that's what people need. Uh, these cars cost too much. And I think that, that uh, Jack Deep is going to be able to make a, a statement that, wait a second, these, price, these cars are coming down in price. I think that's a fabulous car. Just fabulous. I first saw Jack Deep when uh, David interviewed him. I said, that's the guy. That's the guy who's going to make it so that EVs are going to be cheaper than gasoline, than in, in, internal combustion engines. So I can't wait to speak to him. He's a genius. Wow. Uh, that is good. That's good stuff, Jim, as it has been all week long. I did want to get you briefly on Goldman. Uh, because UBS today does cut it to neutral. Uh, they talk about volumes obviously being elevated above historical trend. But their, their broader point, Jim, is that Fed policy uh, appears to be heating up just marginally on this SLR and that Goldman, in their words, is very, um, very uh, sensitive to regulatory risk. And they go to neutral. Well, I don't I think that that let's put it this way. It's been the best. And I, it doesn't surprise me that someone wants to go to neutral because it has been unbelievable. Uh, but I, I recognize that all these firms have to have some, one whipping boy in a day. I could have said that about the reason I say this is because think about what happened uh, with uh, Archegos. You know, Goldman got, got rid of this stuff very, very quickly. Uh, and mm-hmm. they were the fastest. Of course, J.P. Morgan knew not to do business with them at all. But I just feel like that the guy who got fastest to, get dumped the, to, uh, to dump that extra stock did a pretty good job. David Solomon doing a good job. Yeah. It still only sells at 10 times earnings. It's not expensive. We didn't really get to it yesterday, but there was a a bunch of headlines on Archegos. S&P cut the outlook uh, for CS. Uh, Wells had said they're they're not experiencing any losses. And then J.P. Morgan had a chart, Jim, about hedge fund leverage in general. It's terrible. While it is a little higher than it has been in recent years, their argument was nowhere near the levels that we saw uh, on LTCM. Well, I I would say that that was a very reckless uh, individual, reckless firm. Uh, and that is actually not the norm that I, I see. By the way, watch when uh, the Cal numbers were extraordinary. That stock's not not up enough yeah. on the Cal numbers that came out last night. Yeah, Macau up 58% off of our weak comps. But right. That's a nice year on year. And how's that AMC doing? Good weekend. <laughs> yes, have a, <laughs> <laughs> have a great weekend, you too, Carl. Thank you. We'll see you Monday. We're back in a minute. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM. 
a leading global asset manager.